Hey guys, welcome to VS Energy's Commissioning Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Ferrier, and here with us today is Mark Sankey and Nick Taliska. In today's podcast, we will be discussing retro commissioning. So what is retro commissioning? I think that's a good place to start. And in my research for today's podcast, I I found the online, take it for what it's worth, definition to be retro commissioning is a systematic process to improve an existing building's performance. Uh, retro commissioning seeks to identify operational improvements that will increase occupant comfort and save energy. Little, it probably could be a little bit more specific, and I think we'll talk about that today, but just like I said, from my online research, um, what was available from Google, this is what I saw. And if you guys listened to our previous podcast episode about recommissioning, this could be pretty similar to that process, um, you know, in the, in the fact that this is an existing operational facility that we're commissioning. We're not doing this as a, a new project, new build. This is existing and operational. And there are some key differences that we'll outline throughout this podcast. But maybe to start then, what do you guys think about my definition? That I have. I think it's a great definition. You covered all the key points there, Clayton, with systematic process, ensuring building systems operate according to the needs. But I think the key difference with the retro commissioning is that these are for systems that were never commissioned when they were new, or technically whose building or area functions and even the systems serving those have changed so dramatically that they can essentially be considered a you know, a new system that's morphed over time and has never really been properly commissioned. So that's where the the retro aspect of commissioning comes into play. And like you said, you know, these are geared towards the, the no cost, low cost type of savings opportunities and uh, operations and maintenance uh, improvements are a big part of it as well. So that I think you you pretty much outlined the key difference between recommissioning and retro commissioning, right? It's the the operational, the usage of the facility has morphed or changed over time. So this is a, a new look at it per se, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And I think as both of you said, the focus is often, not always, but often energy reduction. The DOD, NAVFAC, Naval Facilities Group, all look at retro commissioning of buildings as an enormous energy saver. And in fact, when they uh, send out RFPs, they will say our intent is to reduce energy consumption by whatever the number is, you know, therms or decatherms or whatever the number is and treat it very much like a treasure hunt with the integration of applicable uh, energy and building codes to improve the operation of the facilities. So what's, it seems extremely similar to an energy audit. It is, except there's typically funding included for doing the work as part of the process. So we find the, identify the options and, and that leads us to, okay, what's our, uh, what, what are the steps, the planning phase, initial assessment, investigation, implementation, and then hands-off slash uh, persistence, where we assure that the results are being maintained, be they comfort-related or 
energy related or both or all of the above. So it, in many ways, it is similar depending on what the objectives are that are defined during the uh, development of the CFR, the current facility requirements document. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So you really, you, that's great. You brought that up um, because we did talk about that in our, again, our last podcast. And I, I don't want to keep referencing to this necessarily, but to me, they have very common, similar parallels with recommissioning and retro commissioning. So you still do kind of the same process as the recommissioning process in a way, just instead of original equipment and, or I don't want to say original equipment, but original, you know, facility intent, this facility may be operating differently or doing different stuff. Well, so draw a couple of real life examples. We finished a project a couple of years ago, pretty big project has uh, 1800 tons of cooling on it, you know, large facility. And Clayton, I'll ask you, do you think if we went back now and looked at that building where there were significant changes made, however, there uh, were slash are the same operations people, do you believe that that building would be fundamentally operating as designed and commissioned? Probably not. (laughs) I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the intent would be to go back, commission, recommission the building to the original standards, go through the entire process, and at the end, engage in a persistence phase where we go back and do regular checks and say, okay, is the building operating as expected, intended, uh, and performing as expected slash intended? Now, I hate to say it, but... That's recommissioning, not retro commissioning, right? That's, I agree. That was my yeah. Point. Okay. Okay. So yep. There, my my point in saying that is, the the CFR, I would think, would be very similar to the original owner's project requirements. Yes. Maybe some very minor mm-hmm. uh, changes. Now the CFR for a retro commissioning project. I mean, if you go back and and retro commission a building that was built in the eighties to current standards, there will be enormous changes and certainly different applicable uh, operating standards and, and uh, codes. Yeah. So that's a little bit more of an involved process, probably generating that CFR for a retro commissioning project rather than a recommissioning project. Because as we mentioned before, recommissioning the CFR is generally the OPR. So if that exists, you can use that as a pretty good template. But this is a little different, or a lot different, depending on what change in the facility. Well, with the retro commissioning, you know, maybe there's not a lot of focus necessarily on how was it originally designed to be operated. Right, right. It doesn't matter. 50 years ago, who cares? Yep. Uh, And a lot of times the CFR, you know, putting that together, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense to the current building owners because they know the problems they're experiencing with the systems and, and a lot of times the retro commissioning you know comes about from you know, that recognition that hey these systems are not operating to meet our needs and if they can't go back and look at how was this thing set up or their needs have changed which happens i mean quite frequently mm-hmm. to be honest with you i don't know a lot of facilities that have stayed absolutely the same for decades right Minus maybe K through 12 schools. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I have to go back and just uh, let, let's, let's, you know, blast from the past. So back in the 80s, I was working in upstate New York, a Fortune 500 controls company, and there was an energy crisis. And let's, you know, go back in the, uh, in the way back machine to the days of the 80s when the predominant control system systems were pneumatic. So in uh, light of the energy uh, crisis slash, you know, costs uh, rising, as well as, uh, you know, some other issues going on, New York State allowed the uh, elimination of outside air in school buildings when the outside air temperatures were below 35 degrees. And they codified that. It immediately resulted in, you know, most of the schools, including some project to, and think about it, Nick, you know, most of the schools back then were unit ventilators. So you have all mm -hmm. these outside air dampers stuck on the wall, out, you know, or in the wall. And there were a couple ways to do it, either with a specific damper installed in series with the existing outside air damper or a controls change on the inside. So that resulted that in a major sequence of operation changed every unit ventilator in the school and some physical construction sometimes. And then I think it was around 90, they repealed it and said, well, this is causing sick building syndrome, which of course it would. And, you know, kids fall asleep in school. So in response to what ostensibly were energy reduction objectives you know, people made a change, maybe not with, uh, without potentially addressing all of the other impacts, which would seem obvious, but, you know, in terms of reducing energy costs and freeze ups and all those good things, it seemed like a good idea at the time, which resulted in, you know, what now might be viewed as large scale retro commissioning of all the school systems and then going back all the school mechanical systems and then going back, you know, seven or eight years later and changing it back. Yeah, and I don't believe that was limited to just New York. I know that that's where a lot of my experience is as well. But uh, you could be right. Yeah. So I mean, these northern states and and a lot of the, the facilities I visited in the '90s, I don't think got that memo about the repealing of that code, because, like you said, many times it wasn't just disconnecting the dampers, and letting them go closed. That wasn't enough. They still were getting cold air coming in, and like you said, freezing conditions. So there'd be physical construction and a lot of carpentry that went into right. sealing up these things. So it wasn't even an easy thing to say, okay, today we get to ventilate. <laughs> That's right. I, and, and there are plenty of examples. Where's the outside air damper? You're looking at it and it's a wall covered with the, it's, it's a drywall wall. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. And it's April and it's 50 out. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's a, that's a perfect example though for retro commissioning pretty much. Right. Yeah, and certainly the the retro commissioning we've gotten more engaged with the human factors associated with retro commissioning, and you know, demand controlled ventilation has come down the line with measurement of outside airflow and measurement of indoor air quality slash occupancy, so that you can integrate the competing objectives of energy conservation and human comfort you know, and, and optimize the ventilation or that this is just one example, but mm -hmm. why retro commission? Well, here you go. 
fixed outside air percentages in the past. Well, now we can use variable outside air, all those things that go into technology changes and, you know, building function changes. And I think you mentioned Clayton, I'm sorry, the difference or very, uh, some similarities between energy auditing, mm-hmm. and retro commissioning. And I, I don't know if it was said, but that's the big, uh, difference seems to be the, the availability of a, a capital project with energy auditing. Sometimes they result in a much more capital intensive type of project, whereas the retro commissioning, uh, like I said, they're more on the moderate side of. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, but that, that said though, Nick, you know, there are a lot of utilities that fund retro commissioning as an activity through their rebate processes. So, yeah, maybe they're, they're not as capital intensive, but you mm-hmm. can still get funding for them, at least partial funding for them, uh, based on the results that you uh, achieve. Well, that's great to hear. And I mean, a, a worthwhile thing to do. And, and I'll say too, I have, you know, federal ESPC projects that I'm involved with that are, you know, multi-million dollar projects that some do have an element of retro commissioning because it's a, a specific application to whether it's buildings or subsystems in there mm-hmm. that focus on, hey, you know, you once had supply air reset, it's not working anymore. Let's get this going again. Or right. your economizers are not functioning, things mm-hmm. like that. Not a real capital intensive, but more. Get to our good baseline. Cost. Yeah. If you want to call it that, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Reset, reset the baseline. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So we did, a, I, I mean, I think we did a, a pretty good job here of just describing like when is retro commissioning needed. Um, before we move on, do you guys have anything else to add to that? I mean, like I said, buildings uses change. Um, a facility starts seeing high energy consumption uh, additions to the facility, right? There's, those are all reasons why we may want retro commissioning. Any air quality suffers, sure. I mean, okay, yep. Be a lot of different reasons that they're seeing things from even moisture conditions, and Mike Mark was talking about worrying about sick building syndrome and yep. things like that. One of the things that I think it is worthwhile to discuss is the applicability of retro commissioning to industrial facilities, industrial facilities, manufacturing, even warehousing. The programming of the building changes, meaning. Uh, we're putting equipment into what was once a warehouse or right. vice versa. And what you, t- you know, some of the things that you see, there's no project in an industrial facility that doesn't require an exhaust fan. So whenever they you know, put in a machine, it gets an exhaust fan. Take the machine out, exhaust fan usually gets left. This is just one example. So when we get to industrial facilities, they all have, or they, the majority, are negatively pressurized, they Mm -hmm. can't figure out why. You take a walk around and there's three exhaust fans in the dark spinning away like they have for the last nine years. Um, What are these for? Mm, Don't know, I've been there forever. Well, the process changed, the the facility programming changed, things were abandoned. We've Mm -hmm. seen pumps that have been running forever and all they're doing is water around, nothing on the loop. Um, just circulating you know, dollars. Yeah. Circulating dollars. And, uh, so that kind of, you know, uh, retro commissioning is a worthwhile process, especially for the industrials that we see where, Hey, 
And I, I really enjoy working in industrials because they are so focused on, intensely focused on quality of their products and output and all those things. And in many cases, the energy maybe doesn't come to the forefront as a huge expense, but it's still mm. there. And, and at some point they get to the point where, geez, why can't we get this uh, you know, energy cost to go down? And that drives uh, usually an energy study, but in most cases they're looking for O&M type retrofits and very short term straight line payback projects. I think that's a great example. That's a great way to summarize like retro commissioning, give a, a good visual representation of it because that's not, it's, I don't know. I think it divides that between recommissioning and retro commissioning very well too. And then I guess a follow-up question, you know, and maybe two follow-up questions. First off, like, does what you just explained, I mean, you're going to, I don't know what you're going to say. I think you're going to say yes, but does that happen a lot? Like, what do facilities finally just hit that point where they say, okay, we got to bring in somebody to like check out our whole place or do they just let it de- degrade, change, whatever for many, 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 many years that I don't know. They don't shed light on it, on the issues. It's well, it's, it's uh, interesting because typically in industrial facilities, we see cases where plant managers, engineering managers, et cetera, have their standard operating procedures, standard, standard practices. Mm-hmm. And the focus is all about manufacturing. So if yep. you know, the same plant manager, same engineering manager, been there for years and years and years, just as a, as a general rule, they continue to do what they've always done. And even in big companies, and we've done some work for very large companies, when you take the time and you know, we get hired by corporate. So when you get on the corporate train and then corporate sends you to a facility, there's in some cases a little bit of pushback. Mm-hmm. You know, we know what we're doing. We know yep. how our plant operates, et cetera. And you're not always, uh, you know, viewed as someone there to help. Right. That's that's the politics of it, not necessarily the reality of it. Mm-hmm. The reality of it is that you know a cold eye review of facility operation. Um, you know, I could go you know, do retro commissioning. We could go do retro commissioning and look at it one way, and then you know bring Nick and his his team through and look at it another way. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. It, uh, you know, that cold eye review by an outside party that has expertise is not a, a bad thing uh, and can shed light on a, on a number of opportunities, you know, from very easy, low cost, no cost to very capital intensive. And I think that's the understanding that needs to be had in, in an industrial setting is that you're not there to impact their manufacturing at all or their processes that are key to their business. You're there to adapt to it with their ancillary systems, if you will, Right, and a lot of leadership will recognize that. But Mark's, I mean, one hundred percent correct. There, there can be a lot of pushback. Obviously, mm-hmm. when you get down to poking around, like, "Hey, what are you doing here? What's yeah. this? <laughs> this is my building, not yours." Exactly. Yeah. Don't yep. interfere with any of my production or quality. Just go away. But no, they can be very successful relationships, and, and it illustrates Mark's stories that you know is the timeline that's so important too. About in in some facilities, things change very 
very quickly. Mm-hmm. Other facilities, they don't so much, but they need a little bit of tweaking here and there, if you will, or minor course correction. Yep. That's a, that makes perfect sense. So as we move forward in the conversation, then one, like once the retro commissioning process starts or wherever that initiation happens, we've, we've referred to um, guidelines like ASHRAE 2005 for commissioning many, many times in, uh, in this podcast, right? So what is the guideline for retro commissioning and what is, what are the steps associated with that guideline? So we'll step away from the 2005 guideline for, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're very similar though, in terms of processes and talk about the, um, BCA, the Building Commissioning Association, which certainly doesn't have the longevity of ASHRAE, but is uh, looked at as a standard slash benchmark mm-hmm. and very similar. So the planning phase, project documentation gathering, initial assessment, investigation, implementation, and then transition from commissioning to uh, normal operation, and then ongoing the maintenance phase, the persistence phase, and really that's it. So in the planning phase, the key objective, the key outcome is develop the CFR, make sure that the elements which are substantially important to the occupants, to the owners are captured. That's really the first step. And then initial assessment, walk through staff interviews, investigation, run and analyze trends. I mean, this is, this follows along with 2005, the ASHRAE 2005 very closely. Right. And then implementation, engage contractors as you need, implement the findings, uh, verify performance, and then hands off, which in my mind, especially with um, retro commissioning is often the least well-practiced, which is the training and documentation turnover. So now we've wholly integrated the facility staff and and occupants so that they understand how the facility should operate. There's new sequences of operation, potentially update their PM, preventive maintenance procedures, Mm -hmm. and ongoing commissioning recommendations. You're right. If I can add to that last part, I mean, and you brought this up before, this word persistence, but that seems to be the key to a lot of retro commissioning efforts and really any project, but uh, the persistence of a new chilled water plant is pretty stable, you would say, right? Because it's difficult to operate your old chillers that aren't any there anymore, but with a lot of retro commissioning efforts and maybe some control strategies and without the proper training and reinforcement and maybe ongoing uh, process to it, they can revert back to the mean very quickly. I mean, heck, I've, I've, I've worked on a lot of these uh, large-scale performance contracts with comp- complex buildings and operational staff and needs. And, I mean, sometimes a persistence on control strategies less than a week. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. but it, And that goes back to either you know a miscommunication between all the parties or you know, sometimes it is, well, we've never operated these buildings like that and we never will. And that's that. So, you know, as soon as a change is made, it gets reverted. But, you know, other times it could be months, it could be a year. And 
things kind of naturally go back to where they were. Well, it's, it's always better from my perspective to take the time to thoroughly and, and accurately explain to the operations people the reason for the changes and the impact of, um, you know, yeah, nullifying there's be... or otherwise negating the, the process to go back to this is the way we've always done it. Um, you know, one of the big ones, uh, and we've seen pushback on it before, is it, it doesn't make sense to run two pumps in parallel versus one at full speed. We're, yep. we're, we're putting more hours on the pump. Sure, but the the you know the easiest thing that we do is uh, okay let's run one pump at 100% okay and let's look at the temperature of that pump uh, the motor temperature okay and you know it might be 100 110 degrees maybe maybe warmer whatever but when you run two pumps in parallel at 50% they're maybe 5 or 6 degrees above ambient because they're just not running that hard and mm -hmm. just like a, a automobile or a uh, uh, anything else, you don't really care about necessarily the uh, hours on the pump. What breaks down a motor is the, the temperature, breaks down the insulation, the windings, and ultimately we're going to have the same number of revolutions on the bearings. So why would we not do it, you know, in addition to the energy savings? Right. I agree 100%. So it, e it either is a test of wills, <laughs> or everybody is on the same page and right. kind of this is why this is being done. But yeah, I, I agree completely. It's not out of uh, any malicious act that things get reverted necessarily, but just a lot of different motivations. And some can be that they don't think something makes as much sense as uh, maybe it does if it was discussed and thought about. Yeah. And I can imagine like many changes or tweaks that you might make it obviously the results are not immediate so you might see it next month in your energy bill or whatever you know so it's not something you just like instantly everything gets better you're working in the back in the background kind of to make Absolutely. these changes yeah so that's where i could see some people question or not do is like well what's this changing i see yeah two pumps running now instead of one doesn't make sense but, so why are we doing that? And if yeah. they were looking at Mark's whiteboard right there, yep. Obviously, they. Hey, the whiteboard is a handy tool. I've, every job I've been on with Mark, we've got a whiteboard out. It's <laughs> well, tough to travel with, but they are very. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I mean, that's usually when we get to a plant or a, a building or whatever. Uh, lots of folks want to do the PowerPoint. I would rather just go to the whiteboard. Let's yeah. just go to the whiteboard. Yep. It just breaks it down right in front of you, you know? So. And it's a very adaptable too, right? Yeah. As questions come up, you don't have a mm -hmm. set fixed slide deck, if you will. Right. I agree. But persistence, I think, is the key with really any project effort. I mean, if you're talking about maintaining new capital systems or, you know, that you just put in or the retro commissioning, uh, and I think retro commissioning, I don't know if this is on your topics here, but and ongoing commissioning are like a deadly combination that are perfect for uh, a lot of facilities out there. Oh, I can completely agree. I mean, yeah, once you you do the retro commissioning and you can you know maintain that, 
I mean, it's like, you, you know, it's, I don't know, to me, the same as regularly maintaining your vehicle. You're not going to just drive it until something breaks and then fix it necessarily. You know, you make sure to agree properly the whole time. Did I say better. deadly combination? Yeah. Yes. That's not good. No. It's a deadly combination. I would rather it would say. It would be the perfect combination. Yeah. Retro commissioning and continue, or I don't even yeah. like continuous commissioning because that's all trademark and copyright, I believe. But yeah. No, retro commissioning and ongoing commissioning yep. are a great combination. They are. Many. I took it that way. Good. Yeah. No, I agree completely. So, and, you know, Again, to bring it back into the conversation, retro commissioning, very similar to recommissioning and probably similar to just the standard commissioning process. Like we said, it kind of follows the same lines. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. as ASHRAE 2005, but it, it's just focused more on a facility that has made changes operationally, physically, mechanically, whatever, to go in there and, and let's set a, a good baseline Cold eye, cold eye review, very valuable to say, well, why are these exhaust fans here? Why are they running? Why are we, you know, pumps, everything. And yeah, to set that baseline and then maintain it is huge. So well, maybe you guys have different experiences, but I've never had a client or a customer that was really interested in knowing, are we recommissioning or are we retro commissioning here necessarily? Yeah, no, I guess they, they want to know what's going to be done and no, how to get back uh, to working. Yep. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. It's only for geeks like us that yep. try and just, you know, parse this down to, uh, mm-hmm. well, what are we really doing here? Retro commissioning, recommissioning, continuous commissioning, you know, it, it's a, it's a almost, uh, I don't want to say esoteric intellectual discussion or academic discussion because our objectives are generally the same. No, agree, but it does help, uh, I guess, focus the practitioner's thought process as he goes through, but that's about it. But Clayton's right. It's the same route, and these are just modifiers on it. Re, okay, we're doing it again. Retro, we're going back in time, so to speak. And then ongoing, I think, is pretty self-explanatory, but... I could imagine you could recommissioning facilities you retro commissioned. See, now if you start making a little flow chart about how this works, <laughs> yeah. that'd be what happens. It, all just lo- it could just loop back, right? It could just be cyclic. What do you call it the second time you retro commission? A recommissioning. Oh, exactly. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> One time deal. Yeah. What I want to know is if you do retro commissioning, do you have to use all old analog tools? Oh, completely, and clothes and everything, Mark. Okay, got it. Word <laughs> hearts only. Yep. Back in time. No, precisely the opposite. You bring modern technology. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. darn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I mean, we're kind of at the professional thoughts and opinions, experiences. Any good stories you want to tell before we kind of close things up? Um, I think your example about just the manufacturing facilities and exhaust fans and pumps was great. I mean, any, like, I'll add something here. Yeah. about uh, You know, when we think about maybe recommissioning, maybe the thought process is that, Oh, we we're going to take our old plan for when we originally commissioned, let's say nothing has changed and we're just going to follow that again. But I think if uh, people have listened to previous episodes on commissioning we've talked about how not often you know often or many cases many times commissioning doesn't go 
right? As planned or as the mm -hmm. owner really needs. So there may be cases where you're going into a recommissioning effort and you don't necessarily want to follow the steps that were done in the original commissioning, which may make it seem more like a retro commissioning. Does that make any sense? It does. It does. I mean, I see what you're saying where it would make it different from recommissioning to retro commissioning. Um, being you're not following the original guidelines or not guidelines, but whatever practices that were set in place by the original commissioning agent authority. Yeah. Maybe um, more appropriate be just because you have a commissioning report may not reflect that the building and well, systems were properly commissioned to start with. So we, like we've, I think we've reiterated that pretty well on this podcast yeah. about, you know, just because the, there's good and bad commissioning, like anything else, like any other service you could pay for. So, yeah. True. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, the persistence of performance is essential. Um, so, number one, if commissioning is not done right the first time, what persists is poor performance. So, it, it's imperative that commissioning is done right the first time and it's done right during the retro commissioning process, especially as you get into uh, ESPCs and projects where there's a mandate to a mandate or a contractual requirement to reduce consumption by a certain amount. So this, it should not be a casual process. It should be a thoughtful yep. plan process versus um, I think a lot of times an energy audit is uh, less structured than when you go through an actual commissioning process. So in hmm. my mind, I think there's value in using the you know, retrofit or targeted retrofit. Uh, I'm sorry, targeted retro commissioning or retro commissioning process versus just the calling it an energy audit. And, and I think it's commendable that the utility companies are engaging in, in uh, supporting the performance of retro commissioning to the extent that they are. Well, I, I I guess I might say it seems like to me, obviously, like retro commissioning is very um, systematic. You, you're focusing on a facility in its entirety. And I think in an energy audit, you can sometimes get, you can really compartmentalize some of the things and not look at the whole building operation. Maybe that makes yeah, sense. That can, that can happen. Sure. You know, you, you could really get focused on pumping or, I don't know, outside air or whatever, but I feel like in the retro commissioning process, you're looking at the, the, the building as a whole, how, what's its health, what's its status, you know, how's it operating. So I think that's where it's extremely valuable as opposed to not necessarily an energy audit. Yeah. I mean, segmentation versus, you know, having more of a holistic approach. Yeah, 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 exactly. Definitely has a, has a role to play. Mm -hmm. and I love what Mark, was just saying about persistence if you commission for bad performance that's what will persist yeah right and if you commission for good performance that is what is likely to persist mm -hmm. but again everything has a tendency i yep. don't know to revert yep. to the mean to get round <laughs> you want to say yep yeah no i agree guys i think this was a great conversation today hopefully we did a good job for our listeners to kind of cover what retro commissioning is, its similarities to recommissioning and commissioning, and and some of the key differences, like we said, where it's a you're looking at a facility that operationally or physically, mechanically has changed a little bit.
So um, I enjoyed it. <laughs> With that being said, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for uh, your input, Mark and Nick. It's always great. And stay tuned for our next episode. We'll be discussing performance contract failures, uh, some of the causes, cases, and remediation. So have a great day, guys. And for more information on us, VS Energy, or Applied Facility Science, don't forget to check out our websites, www.vsenergy.us or www.appliedfacilityscience.com. Have a great day. And don't forget our other, uh, our other podcast, too. We have a very interesting building management system, BMS series of podcasts, and our energy series of podcasts as well. Very good listening.